The following shear has been delivered by Rabbi Yaakov Meir Levy of Lakewood, New Jersey, and has been brought to you by the Beis Havad Halacha Center. To dedicate a parsha or an entire sefer, please call 1-888-485-8223 or email info at thehalachacenter.org. In Parsha Tzvayikro, the Torah tells us about the Karbonois. One of the Karbonois that the Torah tells us about is the Asham Gezelois. One of the three Ashamim that are discussed in Parsha Tzvayikro, this Karbon is a Karbon that is brought when a person swears falsely in Bezdin. When he makes a Shavua Sheker, that he had not taken money that belonged to somebody else, he is then found to be Taka Aganev. Then he has to bring a Karbon, and he has to return the money that he stole. This returning of the money that he stole, the Torah refers to as Veheshevis HaGzela Shegozal. Chazal tell us that the mitzvah in the Torah, Veheshevis HaGzela Shegozal, is not limited to the person who needs a Karbon, but rather any stolen money that a person has in his possession, he has a mitzvah and a chiv to return it. <clears throat> this mitzvah is unique in that it itself is a tikkun for an Aveira that was done. Many Averis, although tshuva can be done, the Aveira still exists. If anything happened because of the Aveira, then that Aveira is still in the world. And the missed opportunity, if it is, will be lost forever. The Gemara in Chagiga discusses the Pasuk in Mishlei of Mu'uvas Liskain, that which is crooked cannot be fixed. And the, and the Gemara over there says, Im toimar what is the Pasuk talking about? If it's talking about someone who steals something, let him return it, and that will fix it up. The Gemara is in fact referring to our mitzvah, this mitzvah of Ahishavis Akzela. Chazal also tell us that Rubam Begezel, most people find it very difficult to avoid the Avera of Gezela, of Geneva. Now, this is typically understood that it is extremely easy to infringe on someone else's property, whether knowingly and unknowingly. And secondly, there are many justifications that people make for taking things, very many Mayra Hatter. So in all cases, since this is a mitzvah of Beinodim L'chaveray, in order to have kapara, a person has to pay back that which he stole. So let us now discuss some general rules of the Heshevis Hagzela. The first and most basic rule is that the item that was stolen must be returned Be'en. It's in, in its original form. Unless, of course, the person stole money, in which case there is no reason to particularly return the money that he, that he stole. Because all money is the same. However, if he stole an object that had value, then he has to return the actual object that was stolen. One cannot make do with paying the value, unless, of course, the owner is amenable to the substitution. If you ask him and he tells you that he wants the money instead of the item, then you are allowed to return the money. Now, a common example of an accidental Geneva would be that if someone went into the store and bought something with a credit card, then when he signed the credit card slip, accidentally or unconsciously put the pen into his own pocket and walked out of the store. So he has, in fact, actually stolen the pen. It's now in his possession. It belongs to the store owner. 
and he shouldn't have it. He is mechuyiv to then go back and return the pen itself. He can't just say when he gets home, oh, it's his pen, he doesn't care, I'll just pay him for the pen when I get back, I'll pay him a different pen. No, you are mechuyiv to pay the pen that you stole, and he cannot justify repaying the money. Now, this din of repaying Ba'en, rather than repaying the sum of the value of the thing that was stolen, can prove beneficial to the Ganav. The halacha is, is that a thief must pay for the value of the item as it was at the time of that it was stolen. If the item has gone down in value since the theft, he would still have to pay the original price. So if, for example, a person went to the store and he bought two of, uh, let's say, a new item that had just come out, perhaps a new cell phone that was brand new on the market, worth, say, $150 at the time of the purchase, and he gave the man $150, and he accidentally took two phones. So he now has two phones in his possession. The second one, which he has stolen, has a value of $150. Five months later, obviously, the phone has gone down in value. If he wants to return the phone, he can just give back the original phone. If he would have to pay money, he wouldn't be able to just buy a phone at the reduced price and give it back. He would have to pay for the entire sum of $150 to the owner of the phone. So therefore, this person will benefit by returning the original item. An additional advantage is if the item has undergone damage and therefore lost value. The Ganov could say, This is your thing, here it is, and he could return the item. Now, not all damages are considered insufficient to render the chayfets still in the possession of the owner. If it was changed too drastically, or in certain ways, then he wouldn't be able to return the item. The classic example of this is chametz that was stolen before Pesach and returned afterwards. Now the chametz, kivin shalav of a Pesach, is also bahanah. There is absolutely no value to the chametz that is now in the Ganav's possession. And yet, the Gemara tells us he is allowed to say, and he could fulfill his chiv of Ashova by returning the chametz. Now, this ability to say, requires two things. First, the damage cannot be visible or recognizable. And second, that the damage must happen by itself. It cannot be a result of anything that the Ganav himself did to the item, or if anything else happened to the item, whether it was by fault of the Ganav or not. So both of these are fulfilled in the case of Chametz. The Ganav didn't do anything to the Chametz. It was just that Pesach happened. And from before Pesach till after Pesach, by without the Ganav lifting a finger, the Chametz became entirely Asr Bahanam. He wasn't allowed to have any benefit from it whatsoever. Secondly, the damage itself is not recognizable. Although it was chametz before, it was a loaf of bread in the freezer, and now it's still a loaf of bread in the freezer. Nothing has changed. These two are the requirement to say, So, what about a different example? Let's say someone steals an esrik before Sukkot, and he wants to return it afterwards. Now, a person goes to somebody's house, takes his esrik, which is worth, say, $250, 
and he wants to return it after pay, after Sukkot without having used it. And he wants to say, here it is, it's yours. Is he allowed to do this? It would seem as if it's the exact same thing as the case of Chomet. So he would be able to be Yaiti, his Chiyav of Hashava, by saying, However, the Prima Godim wants to say that in this case, you won't be able to say, unlike in the case of Chomet. The reason, he says, is because in reality, this is a case of garmi, indirect damage to the item in question. In the case of chametz, it is not very common for people to have chametz in their possession over Pesach. Therefore, we, is able, we say that Chazal were not gozer on garmi, to say that he is chayiv, and therefore he is going to be pater. However, in the case of Esrik, you are unable to say that, and Esrik is common. Since we can say garmi, he would be chayiv because of garmi. The Beishmul gives an alternative reason why a person would be chayiv to pay for this esrog that he had stolen and wants to return after Sukkot. He says, everyone knows that an esrog is worthless after Sukkot. That is to say, that since it is common knowledge that the day after Sukkot, an esrog, no matter how beautiful it is, is worthless, this makes it a hezek nicker. One of the one of the requirements we mentioned before was that it couldn't be a hezek nicker. It had to not be a recognizable damage. Having an esrog after sukkah is a hezek nicker. It's recognizable. And therefore, the Ghana would have to pay for the full value of the esrog as it was when it was stolen. By Chometz on Pesach, there is no recognizable damage. A loaf of bread, a frozen loaf of bread is a frozen loaf of bread. It could have been sold. It could have been bought, baked immediately after Pesach. There is no recognizable damage to the chametz that tells us that it was stolen, that it was worthless right now. An additional example is if someone stole a check and he only returned it after it can no longer be cashed. Let's say it's six months after the date. So, on the one hand, the date on the check should render the delay a hezek nicker. And now the ganav would have to pay. Because you cannot say anymore. Since it is obvious from the date on the check that it can't be cashed anymore, that's called a Hezek Nicker. On the other hand, it is possible that a check could be considered a star. And Chazal told us that three things are not included in the mitzvah of Hashavah's Hagzelo. The Milchus Chinuch tells us. These are Avodim, slaves, Shtorois, all kinds of documents, and karka, land. If a check would be considered a shtar, then he would not be included in the midst of hashava, and he would not have to, he was not mechuyiv to return it in any event. Now there are cases where even if the original item is still here, Chazal did not require a Chazor ben. These things are referred to Takanas Hashovim. A takano that Chazal instituted in order to better enable the Ganav to do tshuva. The most famous one of these is called the takanas marish, the takano of a beam. This is a case where a person stole a beam and then he installed it in his house. He built a house around the beam using the beam as a fundamental pillar of his house, holding up the house. However, he had not made any actual changes physically to the beam. 
were he to take apart the house, he would be able to return the beam, the end. Chazal, realizing that were they to require the Ganov to dismantle his house, completely demolish it, so that he could return the beam, the end, they knew that people would be very hesitant to return something in such an instance. Therefore, in this case, they made this takonas morish, and they allowed the Ganov to reimburse the Nigzal with money, rather than requiring him to demolish the house to return the beam. The Sma tells us that another takono is that the Ganov does not have to chase down the Nigzal, the person who he took money from. In the terrorist case that we mentioned all the way in the beginning, when a person swears falsely in Bezdin, the halach is that he must follow the victim even to a distant land, so long as he owes him a pruta worth of money, no matter how much the expenses will be. However, if he has not sworn, then Chazal said it is enough to inform the nigzal, the victim, that you owe him money, and that he can come and get it when he wants. An important point about this last idea is that the Nesiva says that Takonas HaShovim only applies when the Ganav intended to steal. Presumably, because then they wanted to enable him to do tshuva. However, someone who stole unintentionally would not get the leniency of this Kula. He would not be able to tell the Ganav, come and get it when you want. Rather, he would have to chase down the Ganav, no matter where he is, and pay him the money. If, for example, Ruvain, say, went on vacation, and he went to, say, let's say, um, Brooklyn, and he bought something there for $37. He paid in cash, but accidentally he only gave the seller $32. Let us say he realized only when he came back to his house, he would be required to return to Brooklyn to repay the stolen money in his possession. Being as he did not intend to steal the money, the leniency of staying home does not apply to him. Of course, he can have the money paid by a shliach, or he can send him a quick pay. But in the case of Ben, such as, let's say, he walked off with the fellow's pen, then his options would be more limited. This entire discussion of returning the item Ben is, of course, if only the item still exists. If it was ruined, or destroyed, or if it has undergone any significant change, then he would not have to return a Ben. In fact, he has to repay money instead. Let us say, for example, someone stole lumber and cut the lumber up and made it into a chair or he made it into a deck. Even without the Takanas Marish mentioned earlier, being as the wood has got, undergone serious change, he would no longer be required to return the actual thing. Rather, he would be required to repay money. Now, unfortunately, a very common occurrence is if a person takes money, whether accidentally, whether on, on, on purpose, and he doesn't know from whom he stole. Let us say, in our previous example, where the person went on vacation to Brooklyn, and he bought something, and he underpaid. So in that case, he owes the person money, but he doesn't know from whom. Let us say he just he walked into a bunch of stores, he bought a bunch of things, some from street vendors, some from stores, and he doesn't know who he took the he took the item from. 
Who does he owe the money to? He has no idea. Chazal, in this case, instituted a method in which he can achieve a partial kapara. And that is that they tell him, take the money that you owe and use it for tzorchei rabim. Use it for communal purposes. In this way, it is hoped that the owner will benefit from whatever it is that you did with the money, in which case you will get some small takana for the gazelle. And again, it must be noted that this is not an optimal idea. The Ganav has not done a full-fledged hashava. And the event that he does later, in fact, find out who the owner is, he must pay him the full amount. The Gemara brings down that he should build wells and the like with the money. Today it is very common for people to buy Sfarim with the money and put them in the shuls, such as Sidurim and Chumashim, that you have a higher chance of people using them rather than building wells, which nowadays is not so Nagaya. I have heard that recently someone came up with an organization intended to take care of this problem of someone who doesn't know who he owes money to. This organization, I believe, is called Nekikapayim. What they want to do is they want to take care of both problems. They want to have the money in the hands of the Nigzal or the Nizik or whoever the money is owed to and also the money will be used for the Sarkhe Rabin. How do they do this? That the person who believes that he has money that really belongs to other people gives the Bezdin the money. They accept the money and they make a Kenyan on the money they make the Kenyan on the money not for themselves. They make the Kenyan for the person that the per- that is supposed to have the money. Whoever this Nigzal or Nizik may be. They're allowed to do this using a concept of Zochen La'adam Shalai B'fanab. They are accepting the money as a Zchus for the person who's supposed to be getting the money. Now typically, if the money would never make it into that person's hands, there's no zechia here. There's no zechus for them. There's no benefit. So zechus should not be able to work. However, what they will then do is they'll take the money and they're going to be putting it into a gemach to use it as a way to lend people who need it money. As such, the svara is, is that by using, by accepting the money and making a kinyan to be used for the gemach, that in itself is a zechia for the person to whom the money belongs. Because they're going to be able to be using their money for the mitzvah to lend other people money. Of course, if it ever comes out that they find out who the person is, they will give the money to that person. They accept full of Christ for the money. So first, they're giving the money to the person who it belongs. And second of all, they're also using it for Tzorchei Rabin. So they're covering all the bases. Now, Rav Yisrael tells a story with a person who was fry, secular person. He did tshuva, and he came to Rav Yisrael to ask him the following shayla. He said, back when he was a fry yid, he was not so careful with other people's money, and stealing was perhaps not second nature, but definitely something to be considered in all cases. Now, he has long since done tshuva for all the things that he stole. He returned the money 
to whoever he remembered who he stole from, all the items that he had. Anybody who he couldn't remember, he did Sarchei Rabim. But now he has one final Shailah, which is bothering him. He said he had a neighbor, a wealthy neighbor, who he had always dreamed about going into this person's house, going through there, taking the money and jewelry, whatever he could find. But it remained that, just a dream. One day, this neighbor approaches him and tells him that he's going out of the country, he's going on vacation for a couple weeks. He wants to know if he'll do him a favor. Please, here's the key to my house. I need to make sure that the fish are fed, the plants are watered, so that everything is misudar when I come home. Would you mind taking care of this for me? Obviously this fellow was thrilled. Unfettered access to the house. What could be better? And so he promptly agreed. The owner of the house left. This fellow lets himself in. And he starts prowling around the house. Looking for the jewelry and the money that he is sure is stashed in every single corner. Several hours pass. And the only thing that he has found is the safe where presumably the owner had put all the money and the jewelry. And instead he was left alone in the house with the fish and the plants. So he did his job because, you know, he did accept it. And when the owner came back two weeks later, he came over to him and told him, thank you so much. You did a wonderful job. The fish are thriving. The plants are all nice and verdant and green. I'd like to pay you for your time. And he gave him a few hundred shekel. Okay. Not a total loss. Now he wants to know, he asked of Yusuf Zilberstein, being as I took the money on false pretenses, am I mechiv to return that money? Or am I allowed to keep it? Yusuf Zilberstein told him, there's a famous story that is brought in Meseches Kalo, I think also Meseches Zeretz. Says that Yeshua once invited a person into his house, and he put him up in the attic of the house. He then removed the ladder to the attic. In the middle of the night, this person woke up, took all the valuable items in the attic, and tried to let him down, let himself down through the ladder, not realizing, of course, that the ladder wasn't there anymore. He promptly fell to the ground below and injured himself quite severely. When Rabbi Yeshua found him in the morning, he said to him, Reiko, this is what such a person does? And he said, Rabbi, I didn't know you were going to take away the ladder. And this Rabbi Yeshua says, this is what they say, you should mechabit a person like Rabbi Gamliel. like a robber. The way we say it usually is kabdehu v'chashdehu. Be mechabed him, but suspect him. So Rizek Zilvishtein told this Yid, says, very obviously, if this person locked up his valuables in a safe, he knew that there was a temptation. Kabdehu v'chashdehu. He gave you the key to his house, but he hid his valuables. As such, it was understood that you might be tempted to steal. And he protected himself, so of course you could keep the money.
As we mentioned before, Chazal tell us the Rubam Begezel. It is very difficult to avoid the Isser of other people's money. And the Zchus of learning the Halachas of Ahishav Esakzela, it should be a Shmir for us that we should have, besides the new appreciation of what we have to do to return other people's money, it should be Zoycha to be more Nishmar from other people's money. Yeshikoyach. The Base Havad on the Parsha series has been brought to you by the Base Havad Halacha Center. To reach the Center for Halacha Consultations, Service, Educational Seminars, or Media, please call 1-888-485-VAD. That's 1-888-485-8223. To sign up to the BHHJ, the Base Havad's weekly interactive e-journal, please visit www.bhhj.org or you can email us at office at the halachacenter.org.